0: If you're a journalist who uses the tool Help a Reporter Out, or Harrow, listen up. Harrow is moving to Cision's new app, Connectively. But what is Connectively? Well, imagine a place where you can quickly connect with expert sources for your next story. Connectively is a new app from Cision that's changing the way journalists like us, content creators, experts and PRs work together. So, if you're in search of credible sources, Connectively is your next stop. With just a click, you can publish your queries. These go straight to a feed where experts from loads of different backgrounds can respond, giving you their expertise. So go on, visit connectively.us to sign up for free. That's C O N N E C T I V E L Y dot U S. Connectively.us. connectively.us. and welcome to freelancing for journalists
1: i'm lily canter and i'm emma wilkinson and welcome back to our final series of the year so in this series we're talking to different freelance journalists each who have their own specialism and we're going to be finding all about what they do in their specialism um, how they go about kind of finding work and what kind of unique challenges they have in that particular area Yes, absolutely.
0: Um, It's always good to hear what others are up to in their little niches that they have in journalism.
1: So before we get to that, let's
0: chat about our highlight of the week. Lily, what's yours this week?
1: Yes, I think I've got a good one this year, um, this week, because um, I had a few um, fluffs in the previous series where I kept going on about a press trip I was going on then I had to pull out of because I had coronavirus. Um, but I have just come back from a weekend in Dartmoor, which was, I suppose, half work, half pleasure, where I was um, running with a group of other runners. There were lots of workshops. Um, Britain's, I would say, Britain's best male ultra runner was there as well. Um, and it was just a really good weekend but actually gave me lots of ideas for stories gave me lots of coaching tips it was all tax deductible also fits with the theme today a little bit um, about travel journalism so yeah it was just um, a baptism of bogs is what I'm calling it because Dartmoor is incredibly boggy but we had a very good time so that's my win of the week what yours, Emma
0: yeah, well, I'm glad that went so well because I know in the week leading up to it, you were really busy trying to get everything yeah.
1: done before
0: before you went and it was a bit like, oh, can I fit this in? But it's good when those taking those extra steps pays off. Uh, so yeah, my uh, highlight this week is um, a client that I'd not worked for for quite a while came back to me and said, can you do some new stories for us? They'd opened um, kind of a new branch of their publication and they had too much on so I said, yes, that's fine. I can do bits and bobs. Um, but then thought I'm going to ask them about if their rates have gone up because it's been a while since I worked for them. And they'd sort of changed how they wanted the new stories, So they were taking slightly longer than they used to. And also I just know that there's not many people who can do the kind of work that they want because it's very specialist. So I just, I was just very casual about it and said, oh, I just wondered if your rates have gone up recently Um And she said, oh, I'll check with the editor and get back to you. And it took them about two weeks to get back to me. In this time, I was actually working for them. Um, And then they got back to me with a rate that was like £90 higher than what they'd previously paid per story. They're like, is this fine? I was like, yes. (laughs) That's absolutely amazing. Thank you very much. Um, But actually from, you know, that's good. It puts it in, you know, line or a little bit more than what I get for some other equivalent work. But also it means that I'm going to say yes to them over other things that might not pay as well. So, you know, it's a savvy business move from their, you know, from their point, there's only so many of us who can do this kind of work. So yeah, although it's very positive, we don't get rate rises very often, do we? Not that big. (laughs) No, no, I was, I was, I was expecting it to maybe go up 20 pounds or something. So I was a bit, I was a bit taken aback, but yeah, all very positive. Um, and I will be saying yes
1: to them more if they have more work. So that's great. Yeah, absolutely. And are they going to back pay for the work you've already done for them? Yeah, so I haven't invoiced for that yet because I'm going to do it
0: at the end of the month. So I can just put in the invoice for, for all of that. So I think by the end of the month, there'll be about four new stories. So yeah, it's all, it's all good. It's all good. Okay, it is time to introduce our guest. This week we have with us Shafiq Medji, an award-winning travel writer, author, editor and broadcaster. We're delighted to have Shafiq on the podcast to talk about his work. He has been a finalist for the past two years at the British Journalism Awards. He's written for BBC, Guardian, Lonely Planet, National Geographic and lots of others as well. He's also written a book called Crossed Off the Map, Travels in Bolivia. So it's safe to say he knows what he's doing when it comes to travel journalism.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um and it's really great to have you here. Let's start though um by finding out a little bit more about you. Can you tell us about your career so far and how you've actually ended up in travel journalism?
2: Yeah, so I mean first of all thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm a big fan of uh, the work that you do. Um I mean, my route into journalism, as a, as a teenager, um, I was a frustrated footballer. When uh, when that didn't work out, I decided that a career in sports journalism was, was for me. So I knew what I wanted to do from quite an early stage. Um, I did a politics degree. And then after that, I got the Scott Trust bursary from The Guardian uh, to study newspaper journalism at City University. Um, and all the way through, I wanted to do sports journalism. Um, after that, I did the Evening Standard training scheme. Uh, and at the time I was the youngest person in the office. So one week I was doing the 5am shift. Uh, the next week I was doing the 5pm shift. So not super sociable hours. Um, yeah, and I was covering football and, and cricket and I was also doing some news news reporting as well. Um, but after about a year or so, um, wanderlust kicked in. I hadn't taken a um, a gap year at that, at that point. Uh, and my girlfriend at the time was really keen to, to go backpacking to, to India, where I have some family heritage, and to go to South America, which is um, a place I've been fascinated with since uh, since I was a child. Um, so, you know, kind of I, I resigned and uh, ran off to India and South America for a year. Started writing my first travel pieces, uh, because then as now there's not a great deal of writing um, in the European and North uh, North American English language press about south america and i was also an inveterate user of um, lonely planets and rough guides while i was there and i thought wow who writes these books i wonder if i could do it um so eventually the the money ran out and i got back to uh london and i spent about a year trying to break into travel writing i wrote um wrote off to every travel publisher travel publication you can think of i wrote reams and reams of sample articles and sample chapters and uh, you know emails phone calls even physical letters now and then and um, yeah and and didn't really get anything at all and then after about nine months or so um, I got an email out of blue from rough guides um, where a new editorial assistant had started and had discovered my unopened um, uh, letter to one of the editors there and invited me in Um, and that basically got my foot in the door at rough guides um, and I worked my first guidebook a few months later, which was a now sadly defunct rough guide to the Baltic States. Um, and then, yeah, and, and that really kicked off my travel writing career. And I've ended up mm, around 15 years later, having written about, you know, co-authored about 45 guidebooks, mainly for rough guides, but also for Lonely Planet and DKI Witness. And that led into um, writing features and particularly long form features for lots and lots of different Travel publications in the UK and um, and the US, Um, and yeah, and and that in turn has led into um, um, yeah my my one of my most recent projects, which was my book crossed off the map, which came out last year.
0: Yeah, I think there's two things there that are really positive. I mean, firstly, that you kind of changed your specialism and what you wanted to do. So it's never too late to move into a different niche or do try something different as a journalist or a writer. I think lots of our listeners will be pleased to hear that. Uh, But also that while it did take persistence initially, that persistence paid off. And once you had your foot in the door, um, that kind of opened up to that world. Sometimes it is just getting that first kind of gig, isn't it? Um, I mean, travel writing is quite popular. We get a lot of our community asking how you get into travel writing and it it sounds like it took you a while to um kind of make that start is it important do you think to make yourself stand out from the crowd
2: yeah absolutely I mean as I think my story shows it's um yeah there's no fixed route into travel writing um I think you know you always need a bit of a mix of hard work and persistence and luck um to break into it and like other areas of the media it's not always meritocratic either sadly and um and there's a there's a lot of competition but i think you absolutely you know if you if you're a freelance i think it, it, it with any specialism but um particularly in a comp in a competitive field like travel writing you really want to make yourself stand out from from the crowd for me one of the ways of doing that was developing niches now these are quite big niches in latin america and south asia um but they were both areas particularly latin america that are underwritten about from a, from a travel writing point of view um and that really helps to you know the more you write about that particularly starting off in guidebooks and then later into in, in in features and podcasts and that kind of thing really helps you to um you know to develop a name for yourself get yourself you know known amongst editors become the go-to person for those for, for those areas amongst editors which really makes makes life easier um but you know you know i have lots of friends and colleagues who specialize in much smaller areas a single country or in you know types of travel travel in terms you know adventure travel or in sustainable travel for example um i think the other thing that goes alongside that that's really important is to try and develop your own distinctive voice and style as a writer um for me that was really following my own interests um rather than kind of you know parroting or mimicking um stories that that, that everyone else is writing about uh, i mean i often write about quite esoteric subjects from a travel point of view so um rainforests in wales um the southernmost city on earth um an abandoned oil refinery that became a biodiversity hotspot you know the kind of stories that you know some of my colleagues might over- overlook um and i think ideally you get to the to the position where you're writing pieces that no one else could and that's great for lodging yourself both in readers minds but perhaps more importantly from a from a pay packet point of view in editors minds
1: yes and I think that's really key isn't it it's it's coming up with those ideas that are unique and that are not not being covered elsewhere and how do you go about that process of kind of coming up with the ideas in the first place is there a process you go for, through or is it quite organic
2: yeah it it it, it, it it's kind of a mix I I've I, over the years I've developed really good contacts um kind of on the ground across Latin America and and, and South Asia with both um, tour operators PRS journalists you know friends and so on who often you know send me tips and recommendations about about um stories that I might be interested in. But often it just starts off with, uh, you know, places that I have an interest in or that I'm keen to visit. Um, I mean, I always try and seek out um, forgotten bits of history that feel relevant today. Um, I try and look for unexpected connections, you know, stories about food and history and culture and sport, always always really good for that. Um, uh, Over the last few years, I've been really interested in, um, you know, tourism related to indigenous communities um related to conservation um you know related to climate change and climate mitigation um the other thing that i find really really useful that you know thoroughly recommend is always check out what the local journalists um in the destination you're focusing on are writing about what are the most relevant issues because i'm always really keen to build in the context in my own stories and it's really um yeah it's it that's that it, it's often a good avenue for kind of both generating stories and ensuring ensuring that the stories you write have the you know the the relevant context um which I think is just richer for the reader
0: yeah absolutely I mean I think one of thing, the things that kind of sense that we've got so far is that you're doing lots of different things um guidebooks you've worked for charities as well the long form articles um but also some broadcast work kind of how how important is it, I suppose, in terms of sustainability of career to, to have um, that diversity, to have those different things that you're doing?
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, it just developed organically rather than because of a set plan. I'm just interested in lots of different things. Um, and you know, while I was moving into travel writing, um, I was also starting to work for um, NGOs and charities. I did a politics and international relations degree, so I've always been interested in things like human rights, and I wanted to pursue that at the same time. Um, and that's actually been really good from a you know from from a career point of view, and certainly from a f- financial point of view, not least because NGOs and charities often pay better than journalism. Um, but it's also, I find it's a way of you know, maximising your time. Kind of give you an example for this. Um, Nepal is a country that I've written about a lot over the years. Um, and on my most recent trip there, um, I was there to research a guidebook. But while I was there, I also gathered material for um, travel features. And I also did some research for Amnesty International, who I was working for at the time. And there's lots of those kind of opportunities. There's lots of overlap. Um, um, on these trips that you can really maximize your maximize your time so um so yeah I, I it's it's definitely been beneficial for me from a career point of view and um yeah if you, the, the more diversity you can have in the um in in your in your work is is better from a financial point of view from a stability point of view but also think just from an interest point of view for you that keeps things fresh and um you know again you see you you, you see connections and overlaps um that you might have missed before
1: and this might sound like a stupid question, but how much do you actually need to travel? You know, you said, you know, you're recently in Nepal and researching for lots of different stories. But are you sometimes doing these things, you know, from home if you've already got those contacts in those countries?
2: Yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting question, because in some ways, my most productive years of travel writer in terms of writing was during um 2020 and 2021 when that when it was locked down I was just sitting at home in South London and um, you know writing up all those stories that have been in my notebook that I hadn't had time to uh, that I'd research but I hadn't had time to to write about because I was traveling too much so um, yeah it's a mix you know when I started off um, you know at some points I'll be traveling for up to six months a year in, in total um, now I do a lot a lot a lot less than that because it does you know it, it can get in, in 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 the way of actually doing doing the writing and uh, yeah definitely over the over the course of the you know the last last few years it's it's become much much easier to do you know remote interviews you know the kind of thing we're doing now so you, you it's, it's often there's, there's often ways of doing doing some of the research um and kind of updating some of your work um remotely so um so so yeah it it it's it, it, it's it's a real mix and there, and there's cert- certainly in some form there's some, there's some forms of evergreen travel writing that um where things don't change that you don't need to be have been there within the last three months to be able to do so um so yeah it, it it's a mix and and often staying at home <laughs> somewhat counterintuitively is um is uh the most productive thing to do from a from a travel writing point of view but then you 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 quickly get itchy feet and uh (laughs) want to plan somewhere somewhere else to go
0: and one of the things that I always um think about travel writing is how important is it to have kind of photography skills at the same time when we've kind of spoken to travel journalists on the podcast they always talk about kind of the photographs as being a key part of that is that something that you found is is really integral to it
2: yeah so I'm 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 far from an expert photographer I'm definitely words first but it's, but it's, it's absolutely a useful sideline. And a lot of my colleagues are very much, you know, travel writer photographers or photographer travel writers. Um, and yeah, but just if if you look at it from just from a way to maximize your earnings, when you're away on a research trip, and particularly if you're like me, that you focus on parts of the world that don't get as much coverage, that there's not as as, as many stock images of, for example, Um, um, it's a good way of just you know add add in um, a bit of extra income and actually and that's and that goes on over the over the course of several years Um, to give you an example of that I visited um, the town of Bentos in Uruguay the town behind the pie in uh, back in 2017 um, for a BBC article and also took some photos at the same time and one of those articles was used in um, in a Guardian piece on processed food earlier this year so you know it's kind of It it, it helps to give you a bit of, I guess, passive income really over over the course of years, particularly for remote areas um, uh, and and, and areas that aren't aren't overlooked. Um, You know, some of my colleagues are much more expert photographers than me, and you know, and 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 it's and it's a set it's much more central to their work. Some don't do it at all, Um, but yeah, I find it a useful sideline.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And the other thing that we wanted to ask about was i guess the logistics of of the traveling because you know as journalists we're aware of press trips and quite often you know we've some you know part of our career we might have gone on some kind of press trip um do you go on these or do you tend to organize them all yourself
2: yeah so I i i i tend to um i do do press trips i tend to do individual ones so i'll work with a um a tour operator or a national tourist board um and you know uh, and come up with a story idea and then once that's commissioned I'll, I'll do the research trip on my own i very occasionally do group trips i.e., trips with lots of other journalists that, are, that are, have a much more fixed itinerary i find it's difficult to get the really you know the really interesting the really impactful stories that way um but um but, but but for if you're breaking into travel journalism, those are the types of trips you'll definitely do more often. I also do research trips for, for guidebooks, which, um, you know, which you actually, you know, you organize completely yourself and you're paid by the, um, by Lonely Planet or whoever it might be. Um And those are great because it, you have a huge amount of freedom um to set your own itinerary um and your own timescales and so on. Um, But yeah, it, it but they're absolutely a logistical challenge. I mean, I'd say, you know, planning and logistics are really, your you know, the key travel writing skills, along with sleeping on forms of transport. Um, you know, the, the key for this is really just to try and plan ahead as much as possible, but also leave some flexibility in your schedules for the inevitable delays and uh, cancellations and when things go wrong, um, you know, being able to write up on the go is also a useful skill I mean I do an awful lot of um, writing in airports railway stations bus terminals um, that kind of thing Um, so yeah I'd say planning and flexibility are the two skills you need there
0: yeah because often I imagine that you're wanting to write things up while it's fresh in your mind as well rather than where even if you didn't have a deadline rather than kind of waiting for ages and you've sort of forgotten it all Um, I mean you said that you're sort of a words first person so I imagine writing's the kind of main thing that you like but with all these different types that you've done have you found that you there's something you prefer is it the long form articles or the books or is it having a mix because I know that I do a little bit of news writing which I wouldn't want to do all the time but it's just quite nice to every so often just mix up the type of work that you're doing
2: yeah absolutely I I like variety and mix in in, in my work just because it keeps things fresh it keeps things interesting for you um at the moment I'm focusing on my next book um and I really um kind of enjoy working on on books just because it gives you much more scope and space to um explore the issues that you um that you that you're interested in um but alongside that I like doing kind of more newsy pieces more long form um features podcasts um you know I do a lot of um talks as well um and those, and those are great because it just yeah it keeps things fresh i mean they're almost palate cleansers um i guess really and also some stories you know work well in in podcast or talk form but not so well on the page and and, and vice versa so they're ways of kind of drawing in anecdotes and stories that you might have picked up that you've, you you haven't found the space but yeah um But but I I I think kind of looking ahead, I want to do more books. Um, Yeah, just because that's the medium that I find most rewarding at the moment. But um, I I think I'm I'm always going to be doing a a mix of things.
1: Yeah, and and how do you manage it from a sort of I suppose logistical point of view? If you're, you know, sometimes you're at home, sometimes you're away. I presume sometimes you have to pay out expenses to get you to the places that you're going to, and and be able to find yourself whilst you're there so how does all that kind of practical side work
2: yeah I mean I, I guess I, I'd go back to you know planning planning ahead as much as 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 much as possible um you know I often my my I'm often while I'm away I'm often doing non-travel writing work at the same time like for example the work that I do for um charities and and, and NGOs um as, as well as finishing features on completely different destinations that i've been commissioned to do um um previously so um you know m- most of my trips now on with 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 some exceptions aren't um expense based they're, they're press trips of some form or another so um so that's that obviously helps from a from a financial point of view and in terms of paying your bills and paying your mortgage and 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 that kind of stuff but it, but but when i was starting out it was, that kind of thing was definitely a bit more of a, a challenge and i kind of you know learned learned the best way the, the, the best balance for me really by by doing and learning learning on the job but um yeah i mean it, now i try and um really as i say plan ahead as much as possible so i so i'm already organizing my work schedule for you know well into 2024 For example in terms of trips but also you know the bigger deadlines that i have and so on um and i I think that that helps it takes some of the spontaneity out of travel writing which i know an awful lot of travel writers like but i think from a from a from a career work income point of view um that's that's really beneficial for me
0: and sort of as you've got more experience do you find that editors come to you more like with an idea or are you still kind of pitching a lot
2: yeah I mean so I've been doing it for around 15 years now so I'm lucky that um editors increasingly come to me um you know with 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 commissions particularly for Latin America pieces um and that's obviously obviously the you know an, an, an enjoyable place uh place to be um and it just comes with time um, but yeah, I, st- I still pitch too, and I think like most freelance journalists find it a fairly taxing, joyless, you know, hair pulling out experience. Um, you know, it always seems to be a skill that you need to relearn um, every time you do it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's so it's it, it's kind it's kind of a mix. But it's often that the stories that I'm most passionate about, that I'm most interested about, that have come out through me pitching them. Really, um, occasionally it comes the other way round, but. Um, i i think it's and particularly if it's it's slightly unusual destinations or slightly left field um story um that's that's the way it develops but um yeah it's it would be nice if if editors constantly came to you but um uh yeah it's, it's yeah not, it's, not it's, not it's interesting
0: no 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 it's interesting what you said about pitching there because i think it's something that even when you've been doing it for years you can always refine and learn from how other people do it and actually if you're really interested and close to a story it can be really hard to take that step back even if you are experienced so for those you know i don't know if you've got any kind of tips or if you've got those stories that you're really passionate about and you really want someone to pick it up because you think it will be interesting to just kind of how to really make that pitch sing what would your what would your top tip on that be
2: yeah i mean interestingly i um a couple of months back i was on a um uh, a travel writing mentoring press trip to um to croatia with four for aspiring travel writers and one of the workshops we did was on was on pitching so one it was it was it was useful for them but also for, for you know for, for for me and the other experienced travel writers talking over these issues and it was also useful to for me to see other travel writers pitching techniques and styles and stuff because you don't always see that unless you're in a commissioning role. Um, I, I think that the, the the key is to be concise um, and aim for a, a paragraph. Um, it, it, talking about long form pieces here, a really, you know, a, a really strong suggested headline. And if you find that you can't get your story down to kind of a concise paragraph, you probably need to think about it a bit more. Um, I think it's really useful to bounce ideas off friends and colleagues, um, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of my my travel writer friends will meet up with with each other you know regularly to 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 swap swap ideas it's always easier to critique and edit someone else's work than 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 your own um but i think the other thing to make really make them stand out is that that you should your voice should come across in the piece in in the pitch right so the style of the article that you're going to write should be be reflected in you know in in a concise form in the pitch itself um and it does take a bit of bit of work it, you know it, it can be frustrating but i think it's worth you know putting that in and also even the you know the the, the basic narrative arc of the piece as well um because that will also make the the you know, writing the commission piece um easier later on um but yeah that and a, and a very strong headline that should um Yeah, capture the editor's eye and also does a bit of their work for them which is always good yeah um yeah is essential
1: yeah yeah that's all really good advice I mean just to kind of finish off with the last question really um you know obviously like you say you've been doing this for many years now but is there anything on your sort of wish list that you haven't done that that you'd like to do next
2: yeah I mean from a writing point of view I definitely want to work on more books. Um, as I say, I really enjoy the um, the space and freedom to explore kind of issues in, in more depth. Um, and then yeah, from the travel side of travel writing, you know, the great thing about travel is that no matter how far you how, how much you travel, how far you go, there's always more to more to explore. So um, yeah, so I'd, in the future, I'd love to do some writing about um, regions such as Central Asia and West Africa, which, uh, which I don't have much, much experience of. Um, but yeah, so so that and the book writing—it's
0: good to see that writing the book hasn't put you off, and you want to do you want to do more in the future. Um, that's all great, Shafiq. Thank you so much. Um, before we sign off, we want to get your recommendation uh, of a piece of work by a freelance journalist. We ask all our guests this, so this is for you to give a shout out to um someone that you've you've read recently.
2: Uh, So I'm going to, I'm going to cheat a bit and I'm going to recommend a travel writer rather than specific pieces. Um, And it's an excellent travel writer named Karen Gardner, um, who's uh, who's Scottish, but based in the US. Um, And she writes for BBC Travel, um, National Geographic Traveller, Adventure.com. But she's, she's a beautiful writer. um, And she, she does incredible interviews that really bring places to life. Um, She's written um, pieces on uh, wild ponies in Scotland, uh, indigenous tourism in Canada, um you know fishing communities in newfoundland um and she's someone that really kind of pushes at the boundaries of of travel writing so her pieces are really trans uh, trans transport you to uh to the destinations and she and again she's got a really strong voice and yeah really interesting writing style so she writes the kind of pieces that i think ah, damn i wish i'd come up with that idea <laughs>
1: Excellent. Right. Well, I'll I'll dig her, her out, her contact details and uh, website and things, and we'll put them in the show notes. Thank you so much. It's been really fascinating and really really inspiring, and I'm sure lots of our listeners will be um, hopefully buzzing with with that advice. Um, because certainly, it sounds like there's plenty. Of opportunities out there as long as you kind of you know like you were saying persevere and and kind of carve your own niche so that's been really fascinating thank you very much yes absolutely
0: yeah thanks shafiq that's been great um so we're gonna finish there if you want to find out more about freelancing for journalists we have a hey, i'm going to do the big long list now we have A newsletter that you can find on Substack. We have a Facebook community that you can search for on Twitter. We are at
1: Freelancing4 and individually I'm at Emma Journo. Yep, and I'm at Lily Cantor. Um, Yeah, and if you want to have a look at all our different bits and bobs, the best place is probably the website um, freelancingforjournalists.com.
0: Absolutely. And also, as ever, a big thanks to our producer, Maddie. We'll see you next time. Bye. Goodbye.